Elise DeLucci Show, episode 82. You're going to love this episode. I have my good friend here, Mike Young, comedian, writer, director. How long have you been doing stand-up? 20 years? 20 years, solid. Okay, you can introduce yourself. But you did ask me right before we started, is this my house? Yeah, this is my living room. It's gorgeous, right? Great. What? Is that a Peloton bike? What is that? That is a Peloton bike. Good for you. Yeah, but what am I going to do? The whole, this whole, the, everything was closed down. What, I'm supposed to not exercise? So I bought a $3,000 bike. I used it four times. I don't know how much I'm paying per ride, but it's not good. <laughs> looks great. looks great. It's all about the background. Uh, yeah, I'm Mike Young. Good to, re- good to re-see you after months and months and months. So Mike, Mike and I, we, we're friends. We met, um, we met a few years ago and uh, at the start of the- a few years? Yeah, I don't know. It's been a few. We met at Gotham Comedy Club, like, I don't know, two or three years ago. No. Wow. Right. Before and then the and then at the start of the pandemic, we were the lockdown. We were on the phone like all the time together. And I feel like it was just a weird thing. But I'm happy that you're on the podcast. And let me tell you something. Do you know how many people have written in and said, oh, my God, you got to get a guest. You got to get some of your funny comedian friends. And wait, you're going to die. This is episode 82. I did the intro before, but you are the first guest. Are you serious? I swear to God. Yeah. I'm so happy. Thank you. I got, I love how you slide that right in there. Thank you for uh, having me as the first guest. Other, why? You've just been talking by yourself every day? Is that, not the, fun, is that, is that not the funniest thing you've ever heard? Yeah, they love yeah. it. The people, they love it. No, but you know, it's a, well, you know, I had this, these, the, the, my, I don't know, followers, I guess, whatever you call them, fans. I don't know. They said, where else fans. Could, yeah, where else could we hear you? You know, during the lockdown. So I made the podcast. It now has, I don't know, 13,000 monthly listeners. It's crazy. That's amazing. We're, we're, we're an advertiser free podcast. But you know what they're saying? Oh, my God, bring some of these funny people. So I promised you a long time ago that you would come on. And here you are. Here I am. Tell me. Tell me what's new. So tell me what's new. God, what's new? Yeah, well, so many things. We're back on the road. You know, I'm back on the road with Saget. Let's re- I'll reverse it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, let's, 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 engineer. Since yeah, I'm yeah. your first guest, right? Started stand up 20 years ago, right? Yeah. 20, like 19, 20. You never know when you start stand up, right? You mm-hmm. don't know when you start. You always think it's like the first time you ever went on stage. But for a lot of people like myself, I went on stage for six straight months and then quit. You know what I mean? Then didn't Why know did you quit? Why did you quit at six months in? Because I was, believe it or not, I was still into like music heavy. I was like in a, a band called TKO. I was doing like hip hop stuff. I was like, I don't know if comedy is going to be my thing. So it wasn't until the girl I was dating, who at the time was my fiance, it wasn't until she said, you don't take this seriously. You're never going to be a comedian if you don't take it seriously. And it was literally from that day on that every single day I was at the comedy store in LA or on, at an open mic or I just dove in head first and that was it. Decision done. Made. All you got to do is tell me I can't do something. I was just going to say, that's a, that's a classic guy thing. Tell a guy he can't do something. And next thing he knows, he becomes an expert. But wait, time out. You are from Detroit. So this is this is when you're 19 and you're already in L.A. I know you went from Mike went from Detroit no. to then L.A. I got a whole past life. No, I went to college at Arizona for five years. Oh, so five God. years, University of Arizona, mm-hmm. moved to Chicago for a year. 
taught by, wasn't even doing comedy after college, just always like knew I wanted to do comedy. In my mind, I was going to do it. Always going to mm-hmm. do it. Was scared to do it. When am I going to do it? I would see comedians in college, like open for Seinfeld or open for these big comics that would come through. I would always just be thinking, I'm going to do this. I had a knack for writing. So I was always writing no matter what, even before stand up. And it wasn't until I moved to LA five years after college, like, you know, after college, I moved with my girl to Chicago. Right. And I started like some weird company, like with one of my boys who could build cabinets. I invested in the cabinet, <laughs> but I couldn't build anything. Then I took a, so then I was like, forget my, I broke up with my girl. I left the cabinet company. I sold my little piece of it. And I was like, I'm moving to LA. This is it. And it was just game on from there. So when I got to LA, I was like 26, 27. I was kind of a late bloomer in comedy, which has been like a theme of my whole life. I've just been a so late wait, bloomer. So, fa- so fast forward. So you, so you did this, you know, late bloomer in comedy. And then, and then, and just so you guys know, Mike Young, he's on tour with Danny Tanner, Bob Saget from Full House. Yeah, I've been on tour with Saget now for like seven, eight years. You know, we've been working together, which is great because I'll go do my thing. And then just Bob will call me and be like, we got 17 cities lined up. So so for me, it's just a blessing. It's like such a great thing because Bob is super cool and super famous. And we just pack the house everywhere we go. And so you get a chance to do your material in front of real crowds. But before Bob, I was on the road with Rogan for a year. You know, I I toured with Joe Rogan for a year. I've been super fortunate in my comedy journey. So how was how how did how did that happen? Getting hooked up with Joe Rogan. Did you see him at the store? That kind of thing. So I'm at the store. I was at the comedy store and I was kind of getting some traction early in my comedy days, like three, four, five years into it. People were taking notice. I'd gotten like a development deal early with a company. I only had like eight, nine minutes of total material. And I'm, I'll never forget. Rogan came up to me in the back of the comedy store. He's like, dude, you're really, really funny. He's like, I have some dates coming up if you want to do them. And I was like so blown away, honestly, being a kid from like the Detroit area and never being on tour ever in my life, any kind of tour that I was just like, Joe, bro, I feel like I owe you a house. Like, I think think that's what you need. Like, I think that's what comics need. You need somebody bigger, more established to pick you up and just be like, listen, come out with me. You're going to get stronger. You're going to get better. But they, they, yeah, but they believe in you. Right. Joe Rogan definitely blessed me with that. So for a year I went on the road and this is before Joe signed on to the UFC stuff. This is when he was like coming out of fear factor and was still a huge name. So we were doing like Vegas, 1200 seaters, 1100, a thousand. We were doing comedy clubs. So I went from the you know, original room in the belly room of 80 people to literally going on tour and just like having to pretend in my mind that I was Elvis because you have to, <laughs> because you have to just go on stage in front of these huge crowds and somehow tell yourself this is just totally normal. Right. And I'm just going to do what I do. And I'm just going to look at only like five people in the audience and not think about the thousand people that I'm in front of. Right. And so, you know, Joe just like, was cool enough to see something in me with my writing and my, you know, my jokes and my stand up. And he was like, dude, you're awesome. Come with me. So for over a year, actually, it was me, Joe, Ari Shafir. Sometimes it would be me, Joe and Joey Diaz. Oh yeah. And so we just had like the most fun run you could have. I mean, you know, it was, listen, I was single. I think Joe was single. And we just, this is before he got married. 
And we just was, this was rock and roll. I remember in Vegas, I was like, I'd like some tequila. And they brought me a bottle of tequila. <laughs> I thought I was just going to get a glass like, of I want a shot. <laughs> they brought me a bottle. And I I'm telling you, I thought like, I made it. That's it. It's a wrap. It's no, over. People don't, people don't understand that. Like, you know, <clears throat> when you get to a certain level in comedy, big, big, you know, it's, it's like the equivalent of being a rock star. You know, I mean, the things that it's crazy. Even as the opener, I felt rock starish. I mean, I was like, I was, <laughs> I was good. In the dressing room. I was fine. You get, a, you get, a, you know, you order a shot of tequila and they give you a bottle. You made it. It's over. Wait, I want to hear how how um, Bob Saget happened. But didn't your mother? So Mike has this great mother. I love her. She's 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 this Jewish mama. She she lives in Michigan. I didn't even know there were Jews in Michigan. But actually, I know, Bloomfield Hills. I think is that Bloomfield. That's where West the Jews are. I think in Michigan, right? In Everywhere. Yeah, West Bloomfield, Bloomfield Hills. There's, we got a Jewish pocket. I, I don't know. You know, I'm from New York. I think only Jews come from Brooklyn. I mean, like, I, you know, and Israel. Oh, you don't but, even know. But Mike, your mom, she, didn't she come out there? Didn't like your mother and your brother come out like early in your career and do do something with you? I remember you telling me stuff like that. Yeah. You know, what's so funny is like, you're, it's it's almost like you're reading like half a sentence of a bio. Like, Am I, No, mama, I'm not. No, you mama, told me. I remember you saying your mother came and you were living like, your best life and and your brother. Mama, you couldn't believe you're single. I remember this. No, but my, of course, my mom visited L.A. a few times, but she didn't like come out there or like live out there. No, didn't or, you tell didn't you tell me that like you were partying with your mother like or your brother or something like my brother? For sure. I think you're getting multiple stories confused, but like <laughs> so which is totally fine because I'm your first guest. I'm your I'm, you're my first guest, but also I was probably drunk when you were telling me this stuff in lockdown, not having left the house for two weeks. So you can't blame <laughs> me for not remembering. <laughs> I don't blame I don't blame you at all. So my brother had come out. Yes. So you're probably mixing up. I was in a, I had some famous friends and then my brought my brother to LA for a little while and he came out and just like partied with us. And all of a sudden it was like two dudes from Detroit that couldn't believe that they were like hopping on a private plane, yeah, going to Leonardo DiCaprio's birthday party in Las Vegas, everything paid for. And we were just looking at each other like, are you going to tell our friends back home what's happening? Cause I'm not sure if I'm allowed to, I got to like run this by these guys to see if we could tell everyone what's happening. But yeah. it was like the most fun you could have as a, as a single comedian in LA. So yeah, my brother came out many times, visited, partied, you know, at the, we had the most fun, but I always tell everybody who like knows those stories. Cause we used to run around wild, you know, is that every single night I was on stage doing comedy. So yeah. it wasn't just about like party. going to the party. I get Leo invited me to the birthday. I get to go here to Miami. If I wasn't doing my comedy every night and like dedicated right. to the craft and like doing, having a discipline, right. none of that mattered. So like, yeah. you know, <laughs> secret, secretly I was holding it all in and just thinking to myself, I just want to be a great stand up and a writer and, you know, and director. Yeah. But you know what? It's so funny because like right now, like, I mean, I know, I know you haven't been to New York, like so many, uh, there was a bunch of people that got popular, you know, on social media during the pandemic and they are comics, but you know, they have now that the world's opened back up, they have no idea what it's like to really be out every night, multiple spots. And uh, I was with somebody not too long ago. We were on a show together and uh, he, you know, he had a big following online and as do I. And I said to him, uh, oh, when's the last time you were up? Like, or wh where were you last night? I think that's what I said. And he said, I hadn't gotten up for three weeks. And I'm like, three weeks? Like, you, you basically just killed your career at three weeks. You know, I mean, it's so crazy. It's, people don't really understand that you have to you use it or you lose it. You know, 
hundred percent. You have to be out there five nights a week. Right. You really do. I mean, yeah, Chappelle took 10 years off, but that's because he took 10 years yeah. off after doing it three times a night, five nights a week for right. 20 years. Right. You know, you have to be up there working that muscle. It's like, I just got off the road with Bob. We just played uh, Milwaukee. And like Sunday, I was like a little depressed because I didn't have a Sunday show. And I'm yeah. already back home now, re-looking at my notes, thinking like, when am I getting up again? Am I just going to like, do I just get in the mirror tonight? Because right. I don't yeah. have a spot in Detroit. And I'm just thinking like, you have to, you notice, you notice how, how exponentially good you get when you do right. it every night. It just happens. No, you no. Find your rhythm, it becomes second nature. We talked about this back in the day because I told you you were starting to blow up off your hilarious content because you're so funny and like, you know, you're going to have a huge following no matter what. And that's why we, you and I were always talking like, you have to get that yeah, material you know down and get up on stage or you don't like it could, it could be, you don't have, if you don't love comedy, the actual no. craft of stand up, it's not a big deal. Just don't do it. Like, I think, no, but I like, think, that that, I think, but I think that's the thing. <clears throat> Not everybody loves it. I love it. When I started, I, you know, I mean, I, I was out all the time every night or as much as I can be, you know, when you're when you're just starting out, Mike shows begging people, whatever you got to do. But um, when everything shut down, that was really devastating. I mean, thank God. Thank God for me personally. Like I went I went out to Vegas. You know, I mean, I was with Brett Ernst for a minute. I did some stuff in Florida. But then the second things, the week things were open. I was I was out and I I go out. I'm out five nights a week. I mean, and it's a sacrifice, but you got to do it. You really got maybe maybe even more, you know. I'm glad you're out five nights a week, honestly, because you are you you have a bright. Listen, you're going to be the CEO of a comedy network. It doesn't matter. I don't want to be the CEO of a comedy. I've done that. It's like, do your listeners and followers, do they know like how, you know, what you like your level of intelligence? No, no, no I don't know. My my stories? That's so horrible to say. This. You love, no, no, no one. You know what? They know that. No, I, I mean that. I'm talking about your business acumen. Like, yeah, I, no. I, my new movie is being funded by a billionaire, big time business guru. I had a lease. <laughs> I made a lease. Get on the phone with me to these other like, you know, hedge fund capital and venture capital investment dudes just to like understand the language they were speaking to me. And she had everybody in check to the point where when the call was over, they weren't even talking about my comedy or my movie. They were like, yo, what's up with Elise? Can we, you think she'd want to work with us? They I'm were like, trying to I'm, hire me. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired of getting everybody else jobs. No, but no, I, no, that's nice of you say, no, nobody, no, I don't really talk about it too much. I mean, people know that I'm in the corporate world. I don't love it. That's not where my heart is. You know, growing up, me personally, I mean, this is interviews about you, but you know, I was always painting, drawing, cooking, doing, doing stand-up, coming out of improv and doing it, which was a natural progression. You know, I hosted a television show, an interview television show, interviewing CEOs and founders of tech startups. And then I got into improv to loosen up. And then I went into stand-up. It was a natural thing. But um, I don't really talk about my corporate life because I at, the, at my heart, I feel like an artist. I feel like a performer. I don't know. But but um, they I did go to Harvard Business School and I did go to Wharton um, and studied leadership and managerial economics. And I am a cryptocurrency trader and nobody. But you know what? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. See, when you're somebody like me and you look like you should be laying on a Corvette in a white snake video, you know, and you sound like what did the hell did Staten Island just drag in? I mean, uh, ha knowing that you have that corporate or business background as your secret weapon always kills people. Like I'm not going to name names, but I was out. Um, 
I was in a room with a very popular comic not too long ago. And he tells me in three seconds, I could judge anybody. And I'm like, Okay. And he literally thought he had me figured out until somebody came over and asked me about like an NFT dip. And uh, and then, you know, and we just got to talking and he was like the the first person that just, you know, yeah, used me. But, you know what? You can't judge a book by its cover. But no, the people don't know it. And it's nice of you to say. Well, you're welcome. And I want want you to. What? Go ahead. Now, I was going to say, we all need somebody like that in our lives. Like, I, I I need somebody to keep me on the straight and narrow checks and balances. You know what I mean? I'm like, I don't want to say I'm not full. I have a good business acumen. I've created my own comedy tours. But really, I need like, you know, I could just live in a room and just write jokes and go out and just be fine. Like, I could, right. I don't need anything I don't know. It's yeah, but I Mike. Had, Mike, I, I want to say I had math skills. Is what yeah, I'm trying to say. Mike is so smart because yeah, you're doing stand up, but you're not, you're writing and you know you're writing movies and you turn that into a business. You know, I mean, like and 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 there are some stand ups that literally have to go to the the industry to help them figure out a business. I mean, you made a business, but I want you to I want you to tell us about. Danny Tanner, Bob Saget, because everybody, first of all, I mean, I don't know if you know, but obviously Bob Saget is a big standup, but what we'll is get that? Bob on the show. Don't worry. I'll get him on. Yeah. I want him I on. But how did that happen? How is it? Tell us, tell us. So I, I wrote on, I, I punched up jokes on Entourage. I had an office in on the show Entourage for the first two seasons. So Doug Allen, the creator was like a very good friend of mine. He's like taking office here. At the time, I had a development deal at ABC, so I couldn't take another job. So I was just in the writer's room at Entourage, punching up jokes, coming up with storylines, working with the writers on a daily basis, and just sort of an uncredited writer. And at the time, Bob was about to come on as a guest star. And one of the writers on Entourage, Cliff Dorfman, was friends with Bob. And he was like, dude, you got to go on the road with Bob. You guys would be like a perfect match to like kill it on the road. So Bob comes on, he does this piece on Entourage, we connect, he's like, I'll see you, you know, we'll talk about it. So then I go and I'm headlining Tempe Improv, um, rest in peace, Dan Murr, one of the greatest club owners of all time, Tempe Improv. I'm getting ready to leave on Sunday. For some reason, Bob came in that night to talk to the owner. I meet Bob, like, again, we just kind of like connect in the green room of the Tempe Improv. And he's like, dude, why don't you come on the road with me for a little bit? We'll see what's up. Next thing you know, boom, it's just me and Bob doing a two-man show for the last seven, eight years, and we just connected. And I ended up like writing you know, for his video show, the new one that he did, and I wrote a pilot for him, and we just kind of collaborate and work together at the same time, and it just works. And, you know, look, I'm a, I'm a fearful hustler. Like, I come from, like, the, the, my dad was a scrap metal worker. So like, I always have that artist fear of like, I could go broke tomorrow. So I just invent businesses on a daily basis. That's amazing. And my writing got to a point and I'm gonna listen, I'm not the greatest writer. You know what I mean? I'm not the great, I'm not, I'm not, but like enough high level comedians and actors and people come to me now as a business. And they're like, yo, Mike, I need you to write something for me. And so I've made it like a little fun business where you, you know, comedians will come to me and be like, yo, I need some punch-ups. I need some work. And I won't even, I won't, I'm not going to say their names because they probably don't want to know people need their need someone to write for them, but it's become a business. And then I was always a writer anyway. And that's where, you know, my first, I've done, this is my fourth movie now. 
And uh, still, nobody knows. It's unbelievable. I'm no, poor. stop it. You're, 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 no, you're, I swear to God, I don't think anybody even knows. I joke about it like in my special, but I don't know. I, I think I'm like the worst publicist for my own self. Yeah, but you you know you have to drum up. I mean, you know you have to drum up your own heat, but hire a publicist if you want to get some PR. I mean, how about that? Take some of that sack of money you get paid and go hire somebody. But it's like, it doesn't make sense to me in my brain to go like, I'll call a magazine. I'll call. I know. Call. I'm the same way. I'm going to give you $10,000 a month I to know. make phone calls. I know. I know Will. I went to high school with Will Smith's publicist. I called her. I'm like, yo, do me a couple favors. Right. What's no, up? I know. You went to high same- I'll tell everybody what you're really like. I'm the same way. And you know what? It's that, but it's that scrappiness that, you know, like that's what, but that's why you're successful. That's why you're successful. Cause you're like, you know what? Fuck everybody else. I'm just going to do it. But you, but you need, but you're, but I think that you get to a point in your career or your day to day that you're just too busy. I mean, that's, you're just busy. I think that that's the thing. You know, I, I, Elise, honestly, I hate saying I'm busy because it I know it's a, like, it's a I know it's such a, like an arrogant like I'm so busy. Yeah, because it's you know, a new I'm social. I'm so busy. I wouldn't work out. I wouldn't like, you know. Saying I am- you're busy is like the new social currency. You know, it's like it's like saying you're busy is like I have a Birkin bag. You know, you like fuck you, <laughs> fuck just fuck you. You know. But that's what I'm saying. I don't say I'm busy. So like I'm not so busy. But what people don't get is. Even if someone were to say, like, help me craft this 15 minutes of comedy, right? That's like nine hours, right. or like that's like a lot of work to do. Right. It really is. Cause I look at writing like every sentence matters, every punch matters. Right. Like I wrote, I co wrote um, Michael Rappaport's book. This book has balls, you know, like his, his book. Yeah, I love Rappaport. Yeah. And I can't remember what I did yesterday. I can't remember what year something happened. But when the editor sent back, like, his own little jokes in like a couple of the sentences. Right. I recognized it right away. Yeah. I yeah, remember yeah. every single word that I write and I called Rappaport and I was like, yo, bro, this editor is just supposed to edit. Yeah. Tell, don't tell him to tell him, quit trying to come up with his own jokes. Oh my God. He's like, where? I'm like page 71 paragraph <laughs> three. If you look there, I would never write that. You know what? Um, let me just say something. First of all, I, I, you are, you are a great writer. And um, I was, I was on a fundraiser show with Rappaport not too long ago. We were talking about crypto outside. We're going to have to get him on the podcast. That's all I'm going to say. I'll get him on your podcast. For sure. I want to tell you something. You have this funny joke. I don't know if you're still doing it, but I want to tell everybody, um, Mike, he does a lot of stuff about dating and he has this bit about like the new, the, the, the things girls are doing these days, crawling on a bed. Can you please talk about that for a second? Because it's, it, it, because it's true. Okay. It's yeah. true. And it's ridiculous to tell, yeah. tell them. So the joke is there's two types of girls over 30, under 30, <laughs> you know, over 30, they got their shit together. They know what they want in life. They're comfortable. They're confident. Under 30, even in bed, I said, even in bed, women get better when they get older. These young girls are doing all kinds of weird moves. I said, I was with this girl. She was 27 years old. She's crawling on the edge of the bed. I don't know where she's going. I'm like, what happened? Did you lose your wallet? You know, like, where are you going? What are you doing in my hallway? Get back here. Forget it. You know what I mean? Get the mail, then come back. But is, that, just- is, that, is that true? Is that true? The over 30 and under 30? Listen. Obviously, there's exceptions to every rule. But when I was single, I was like the most single person you could ever be. I did single at a very fun, (laughs) respectable level. And I got to know a lot of people. Like I just was, I dated a lot of girls. I saw a lot of things and I took notes. And so, yeah, the girls that were under 30, 
they were just doing things to like be more impressive in bed as opposed to being in the moment. And this isn't true with every girl, but like, yeah, a lot of these younger girls, they're just doing moves that they see on TV or like things that they heard. You know what I mean? So this girl's like crawling on the edge of the bed, like looking back over her shoulder. And I'm just like, you're not even involved. Like, <laughs> should I get the camera? What's happening right now? So that's, that's where that comes from was just like my crazy dating life. And I would see a lot of things. And yeah, I, but you I, know what I feel? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm not single, but, but dating, um, the, you know, the, with the Instagram, you know, and everybody's an Instagram model. Everybody's an Instagram celebrity. Every, I mean, you know, you see these accounts influencers in a wild and it's just so ridiculous. Girls, like girls twerking it on a boat, like, you know, when the camera's on to the, but the thing, but, but I really do think that it's probably different for these girls when they, when they get together with a the guy, they're all getting all dressed up or hoed up for the bedroom. Guy doesn't give a shit. That's not coming off. <laughs> Are you kidding? I, Listen, I got together with a girl with a million followers. You know what I mean? She wasn't great in bed. She was trying as hard as she could. She she knew she had a million followers. She's like, what does a million follower sexual, what does that look like? And she was, she was trying too hard. A million followers sexual experience look like that's Yeah. What is it? How good could she be with a million followers? I actually wrote a joke about it. I was like, I said, can I say something edgy? Yeah. Like what if I'm, what does she have? Like diamonds coming out of her vagina or something? (laughs) No, I said I went down. I said I went down on her, and three followers popped up. I'm like, I, I said I'm, I'm not the first person to beat. You know what I mean? Everyone's here. Like she didn't oh, care. She was no, just looking for followers. Hilarious. Wait. So now you, Mike. Mike is engaged, right? You you're, you have a girlfriend. You were dating in the pandy. Did you get together with her in the pandemic? Yes. And yes. Then- so I, I knew her before the pandemic. Okay. I met her like a year before the pandemic in in Detroit. We're both from Detroit. And met her in a bar and just like a classic dumb college guy that I still feel like, you know, it was like a drunk night in a bar. And I'm like, who's this beautiful girl in a Detroit bar? What are you doing? You know, whatever. I lived in L.A. still, but I got her number. We stayed in touch. Pandemic hits. She was getting divorced. She got divorced. She would text me during the pandemic. She's like, hey, I'm, you know, whatever. I'm an hour away. And I'm like. (laughs) And I'm like, I've been on lockdown for 79 days in isolation. I'm freaking losing it. I am willing to risk my life right now during this whole thing. So she came and we hung out. And I was like, it was one of those things where you're like, this is like oddly, she can't be this cool in a pandemic. What's the hook? You know what I mean? I I didn't trust her because I got my own trust issues. So we had to hang out, you know, many, many more times. And finally, I was like, all right, shallow Mike, who's been single for so long and like calls himself single Mike on stage, open up your broken heart and like, see if this is real. And so I was just, I just opened up and I was like, wow, this girl's awesome. And then we've been dating now since the pandemic. It's been over a year. Okay. So let me ask you something. How does a guy, so you're in your forties, you're single. You're living this big rock star life. You're on tour with the you know, star of Full House. You're on tour with Joe. Ro- yeah, whatever. You're doing all these things. How does a single guy, how do you get, how does a girl get a single guy to, to say, let me open up my heart? You know how many dating advice questions that I get? Like as if I have wall-to-wall leopard carpeting and I have more moose in my hair and I have a boyfriend that's 18 years older than me. I'm not, I don't have advice. <laughs> I have advice. I could come on your show once a week and give everyone, I could help everybody I would out. love that. So it's literally like, how did I get, how did like, she get me? Is that what you're saying? Like, how do you go from single Mike to then saying, I'm going to really open up my heart? Because that's what women want. Women want the man to open I up. I just 
turned off a part of my brain and made a conscious decision. And it's like, I hate it's that I basically say like discipline is the only path to freedom, right? You've heard that before. Mm-hmm. I was like, I am going to just give this a hundred percent effort right now and just shut off single mic because that could go on forever. That could just keep going. Right. You know, my friends are famous. I could be on the road with Saget. Women are all over the place. It could just keep going. I said, I've done it at the highest, most fun level, safe level. I got out of it with unscathed, basically. You know what I mean? I didn't hurt anybody. I didn't get hurt. No babies running around. There's no, I mean, there was like a 20 year old kid that popped up at a basketball game one time that did look exactly like me. Papa? I don't think he's mine, but he had my face. So I got, but I got out of it and I basically just, she was just cool. And she was obviously, you can relate, right? She had two, she has two kids. She's a single mom. I don't think, do we say that she's a single mom? No. No. So she's a single mom. And to me, I was like, number one, I'm not messing with a single mom's heart. You know what I mean? I'm not playing when there's kids involved. I'm a good dude. I'm not here to wreck a whole household. I'm not trying to see kids go to school with no lunch. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to see a confused house where a kid goes in with peanut butter on his face. I'm not trying to be that bad dude who like wrecks a house. So I'm on my end, I'm going to be a good dude and be open on her end. She's super cool, laid back, good mom, which is like the sexiest thing to me. She's like a good mom first and she's hot and cool and an artist. Yeah. And I was like, this is like my vibe. And for so long I dated girls who were like, I fell for girls that were like opposite. You know what I mean? They were just like, so exciting and crazy and wild. I'm like this, you're just chasing. You got yeah. a tiger by the tail. I was just like chasing. And so with her, it was more like we were both kind of going at this pace. And then one day, like about five months into it, she texted me and she's like, this isn't working for me. You're not serious. Unless you want to make a commitment, have a good life. And I was like, gangster. I got a yeah, gangster. bitch. That's what I need, a gangster bitch. No, that's and, what you got to do. They have you have you have to throw it. You have to throw it on the lawn. You have to, you have to, to walk away. And that, in any good business deal, you have to be like, whatever. I don't need this. By the way, Elise, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's a business. You deal. have to be. So all your female fans out there and all the people that listen to you just understand that is the advice right there. Be willing to walk away and put a dude, put the screws to him. Because otherwise, a guy will just go forever. Yeah, but you know we what? will be in a non-committed relationship for the rest of our lives. We will not make a change. We won't buy a ring. We have to have our back against the wall and a gun to our head. And that's not because we don't want to do those things. We're just like a lazy beast by nature. It's like we think everything's just fine the way it is anyway. I I'm think like, so. what's different? But I think like when you're saying you turned up part of your brain, I mean, but my grandmother says men are like fruit ripe for the picking. I think you're ripe for the picking. If you met her 20 years ago or 15 years ago, I mean, you might have put her in the pantry for a later date, you know, called her up when you're ready. She'd have been on ice. If I don't, please, if I'd have met her six, seven years ago, she's not coming between me and DiCaprio's birthday party. No (laughs) chance. It took a (laughs) pandemic. Honestly, wait, you know what? So I was right for the picking. I was ready. I was tired. You know what I mean? I'm like, my career is in a place where I feel like, you know, I need someone like her to just like make me want to be better and more disciplined. Because otherwise, I'm just feeding myself. Yeah. You know, and I could feed myself forever just off, 
you know, being able to do stand up and write, you know, I, I, I want to take it to another level. And I think you do need somebody to put it to you. Somebody that you, you can always get somebody that makes it worse. Don't get me wrong. Right. You right. want someone that makes your business worse. Right. You want someone who makes your life better, who you're like, I want to be better for this person. I want to do better for this person. Don't get it twisted. There's, you know, there's many, many relationships that go the other way. And I won't be in that. I'll be out of that so quick. You won't even know what happens. Like luckily, and she's my girl. She Googled dating a comedian. Let's put it that oh way. God, that's cute. She, that's cute. I, I swear to God. And she knows what it is. And she knows that, listen, I'm all for her artwork. She's a painter and like a, a little, a legit artist. And I'm all, and listen, she's so pretty. She like does some modeling stuff and whatever she gets. She just did like commercials for Jeep. You know, she does, even though it's only Detroit, she does her thing. So yeah, I got her back. She's got mine. If it was any other way, it wouldn't work. You know, if you're like, where are you going? What are you doing? Don't tell that joke because, you know, listen, it's gotta be tough dating a comedian. You know, yeah. you're a comedian. No, I, I, you know, I, I think it's hard. I mean, my, you know, obviously, you know, my boyfriend, I mean, he's in the business. Yeah. I, I, I don't feel like for me personally, I don't have a lot of options. Not to say that I'm settling, but, you know, it's like it, I don't think you have a lot of options if you're a, a girl, a female comedian that has. So, you know, I have two kids. I have a nine to five job because I don't know, getting paid however much I'm getting paid at this point isn't going to pay the bills. Um, and then doing stand up at night, you know, that that's not a thing. When I went, when I was doing the apps, these men, they were like, you're a what? You're a comic that I stopped telling people. But then it was like, I'm not going to go into a relationship being disingenuous. That's crazy. But I, oh. so I do agree. You have to have that. You have to have the, um, the, the respect for what each other does, you know, professionally oh. or, 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 or hobby, pa hobby, passion stuff. But you know what? You are, you are different because you, 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 you have to want to be in a serious relationship. You have to want that life. Not everybody wants that life. I think a lot of girls are um, talking about, you know, trying to change somebody that doesn't want that life. Right. You have to make a conscious decision to want that life. And right. I want that life now, you know, I've had, I've had, like I said, I've had the other life. Listen, I was engaged 17 years ago. You know, everyone thinks I'm like the most, you know, cause I call myself single Mike. I had a whole chunk of material on being single. They don't remember that I was in 15 years of relationship. So I was in a five year, then another five and then another five. Right. It wasn't until after that last five that I said, you know what, let me see. Maybe the world is just tricking you. Like, let me see what being single feels like. And let me just dedicate myself to just myself for a minute. Let me be selfish and let me just work on stand up, tour the country, write as much as I can and just do for me because I'm not really doing well. I mean, obviously five years is a pretty good run for all right. of them, yeah. but there's come a time where I'm like looking to get out and I don't, that's not cool. So I just made the decision to go hard, you know, just to be single and embrace it, embrace whatever moment you're in. Like I did that bit about being single because I was like, people are afraid to be alone. Right. And you have to just love yourself first, right? Because you otherwise, if you don't get into yourself and take care of yourself and your health and like appreciate what you could be and what you are, you're never going to be cool with somebody else. Yeah. So I just had that whole bit about like alone time where I'm like, I love me. You know what I mean? Like I, <laughs> I took me to dinner. I went to a movie. I had some tequila. You know, I said, I woke up in the morning. I had my own phone number. I called me just to see how I was doing. You know, you know what? That's hilarious. But, you know, isn't that funny? Like living in Manhattan, I've been living in Manhattan for almost 20 years. I, you know, 
I don't know anything different than to do stuff with my own self, but I have girlfriends, you know, my girlfriends, they're amazing. We've been friends forever, but they've never been out to dinner by themselves on a Saturday night. And I'm like, what? Like, that's so crazy to me because, you know, there's that traditional, like, you know, go to school, meet somebody, get married, have few kids. And is the American dream having a husband, three kids and a dishwasher full of dishes? No, you know? You're a thousand percent right. And they've tricked us. Honestly, they've tricked us in the world to think that being traditional is like the only great route to go. And I've never been into tradition. I've always no tradition. Like I don't even like any tradition. Like I'm cool with Christmas and Hanukkah and going to the family functions and stuff like that. But like, I always felt like, and my dad was kind of like this too. My dad wasn't into like the traditional, traditional tradition. You know what I mean? And so I never believed like the system, you know, it was all set up for all these traditions for, you know, making money here and making money there and Christmas, you shop here and you do that. It's just about loving somebody and however you got to make that work. When I was engaged 17 years ago, I remember my girl was like, we're going to go to therapy. And we went to couple and I openly went to couples therapy and I'll never forget it went bad for her. She wanted therapy. By the end of it, the therapist was so on my side. My girl was crying in the parking lot and she's like, I'll never go to therapy again. That was the stupidest therapist. And it was because the therapist said to me, this is like, I put this in my movie, my man is a loser because I had to quote it, but it's like in a relationship, there's three paths, right? There's like your path. You are a person, your own individual right. fully functioning person that should have her own path to do whatever she loves to do. I should have my own path to do whatever I love to do. But then there's a path that we're on together that we make each other's lives better. So there's three paths and people just get confused in relationships. They're like, you're supposed to be on my path. Oh no, you need to be on my path. And it's like, no, you be the best you, I'll be the best me. And together we'll be the best we can be. That's that's nice. And that that's that's very contemporary because obviously like our grandparents, you know, you 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 they got married at 18. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and they and they and they found they found each other and then they didn't you know, nobody strayed. But they but, you know, and that's obviously because of economic reasons or whatnot. But I think that that's nice. That's why everybody should wait until they're older to get married. I mean, that's the really the truth. I think everyone should wait till they're older for all the moves that like college should be for when you're 30. You know what I mean? Like I know. It's like everything is tricked into like a younger age for everything. And to me, it's like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And like college was just fun. I went to Arizona. All I did was have fun from the first day I got there. You know, did I get an education? Yeah. Did I make great friends? Amazing friends. But like now is when I should be going to college. I know. Don't don't you ever think about that? Like all the amazing classes that you, you could have taken or you did take in school, like all these philosophy classes, wouldn't they be so much better suited if you had them now or, or even when you're older, you know, I think there might be a business there. There is. It's called continuing education. (laughs) Oh, you mean uh, there's already like a $17 billion industry that I'm pretending doesn't exist? Well, I mean, you know, then uh, what what is it? Um, Masterclass is is, was a great business because I mean, yeah, but they they, what? What's the problem? First of all, I know they do a lot of like Gordon Ramsay shit, but they do have real classes or course. Sorry. Course horse is another one. What's the problem with masterclass? I love love some of the masterclasses I took. Mm -hmm. Uh, I looked at Aaron Sorkin's writing class. I looked at all the writing classes, but now they're like basically given everyone's got a master class. I mean, oh yeah, this is a bit, but I feel like it should be a bit. But like, I know a girl who's like the sex therapist, or she's like the sex master class girl. I don't want to talk, say her name or anything, but like, 
let's just say I went to high school with her. I've known her her whole life. And she shouldn't be given sex therapy classes. I ain't given sex therapy. You know what I mean? You shouldn't even be going to a, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're beautiful. You're cool. You know about sex, but let's be honest. I don't think you have a degree in any of it. They're, they're giving away sex. They're giving away master classes. I, I actually, I'm a, I, I have a part in a, a, a pilot, a sitcom that, you know, I don't know there. I think we're filming the pilot soon, but I'm giving a master class on how to sell knives. I mean, of course, cause that's, <laughs> I got to find something for you in my movie. I will. I know I told wow, you. I will. Wow, wow. Let me tell you. By something. the way, I'm <laughs> shut down. I'm okay, shut for, down until January. Hold on. Hold on. And I want to talk to you about this Alec Baldwin thing. Um, so Mike has, I want you to talk about how you got into movie writing. Cause that's crazy. But Mike's, he's writing this movie. Like he said, he has this billionaire funding. I've been asking this guy for the last two years. I mean, I'm going on, what am I going on? 700 days. Now I text him. You got a part for me in your movie. He ghosts me. You totally ghosts me, but no, because, just, anyway. I'm not an actress. Listen, at the end of the day, I'm not an actress. I mean, I think you have to be an actor, actress uh, to do stand up in some regard, but but um, but I'm not. But I'm you're, not. A tra- but I'm not a trained you're, actor. You're a personality that I could easily put into the puzzle p to the movie and and just write something for you. So I, I got you. Just what? Relax. What's the movie called? Relax. This, this is not my DNA. Relax. <laughs> Ridiculous. So this this movie is called Stealing Jokes, and it's um this is my third my fourth movie, and it's I'm writing directing it, and it's um it's about three comedians that go on the road and they get stiff by the comedy clubs along the way by these bad shady owners. And they decide to start robbing the comedy venues and they're like, they're over it. And it's really just like, it's my, it's basically like, it's my take on, on capitalism, on underdog tale, on respect art, on respect the comedian, and it's just, I've been dying to tell this story for a long time. Like I had it in my mind for, for like six, seven years. So I, well, here's where I got the idea. I'm, I swear to God, I'm opening for Dave Chappelle like eight, eight years ago in San Francisco. And my man, we had the same manager at the time. And I'm opening for 14 shows, Sacramento and San Fran, seven in each town. And I start counting up the people that are in the place and I start doing the numbers in my head and I'm only getting paid as a feature act, like 500 bucks. I'm not oh, even kidding. No, I know. I'm the, I'm the same. Mm-hmm. This isn't Dave's fault. Dave didn't even ask me to do this. This was because we had the same manager and he like blessed me and was like, yo, go open for Dave. And I'm like, I'll never pass up the opportunity to work with Dave. Like you do so it for I free. Would, I would do it for free. Right. Of but course. So I'm standing in the doorway and I'm counting up the, the, the money in my head and I'm like, Man, Dave's probably getting like eighty thousand tonight, eighty thousand tomorrow. So in my mind, you know, I'm a hood from Detroit. I had a hoodie shade. I did some shady shit back in my day, and so I say to myself in my mind, I'm like, "There's got to be like a hundred thousand cash in a safe somewhere in this building." And I'm like, "If I was 17 years old in Detroit with my friends, we probably might think of a way to get that, get the safe out of here." Right. And so right. that started like boiling in my head. I went through my other movie. I did, you know, a couple other movies. This, this wouldn't leave my brain. This like idea of like comedians getting treated like shit, having to rob a place. Every comedian has a story about oh, being on the road and getting stiffed. So everybody knows that like, anytime I tell anyone this idea, they're like, I wish I was doing, I, I'm dying to rob this place. This guy in Milwaukee stiffed <laughs> me. This dude in Rochester got me. You know what I mean? Everyone's got their story. So I just wrote it. And the beeline of it is, is that an influencer, like we were talking about, 
steals a bit from one of the comedians uh, and he blows up huge. Mm -hmm. So now not only are they like getting stiff by comedy venues, now they got to go after this influencer dude on his big show because he just became famous in two seconds off of what it took them 10 years to even craft. So it's really just me. It's really, I have to make this movie so I don't rob a comedy club. Can we it's talk just, about that for one second? Go, tangent. <clears throat> I, I have, I, 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 now that, you know, um, I don't know. Now that things are back open, you hear a lot of things. And because I started doing stand up way before the pandemic and then under the pandemic, I got the following. Now I have these two different groups of people that I'm friends with, right? Like the comics and then these influencers. And it's weird. Right. And these influencers will tell me when I, they because they want to go out. Some of them want to go out on the road. They've never even held the microphone before. You know, they're like, I'm hilarious. Mm -hmm. And, then you know, then I'm like, it's so funny because then, you know, and then you'll be like, well, what I'm like, what are you going to do? And they're like, I'm going to host. It's like there's a whole art to that. But OK, you're going to host. So they anyway, no, no, it's terrible. It's, it's terrible. But then they um, they I will say, well, what, what are you going to talk about? What's your material? And they'll reference bits that like Steve Harvey did. I mean, you know, Amy Schumer. And you're just like, how could you do that? But that's what that's a thing. It's a real thing. And and I, I one situation, I have one thing in my head. I'm not going to say it, but it's the, the guy got popular from it that, you know, taking somebody else's bit. And it's really. Yeah, really. Really, like the, like like the exact same premise. It's not parallel thinking. It's because it's 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 you know, it's stealing jokes. It You're stealing. stealing. Right. Get into your own life, influencers. Think about what makes you laugh in your own. In tell jokes about be having no talent and blowing up huge. <laughs> right, right, you know what right. I mean, tell go on stage and be like, I can't believe this either. You know what I mean? Right. I'm right. getting ten thousand a night for what? What do I do? You know what I mean? Like, don't you get, think? Uh, don't, call don't me. I'll write for you to get the movie. Don't you think, you know, no, not seriously. I actually told somebody about you not too long ago. I said, oh, I have a friend who writes. But but don't you think that's funny? Like these people, they have this following and they never held a microphone and they've never been on a stage and they never performed anything in their whole entire life. And they've been doing stand up, stand up for three months, you know, whatever, however long they and 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 they're 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 getting these huge door deals, you know, for everybody that's listening that doesn't know. I mean, that's like a deal you make at the door with the venue, you know, and that's how you make your money percentage based on how many people come or tickets sold. But how how I, I it's almost sometimes I think like the, the comedy thing is the business is changing in the sense that our attention spans, the American public, our attention spans are shorter. Maybe the content people consume maybe is like less intelligent, not to say that the influencers, the people out there aren't intelligent, but you know, they're not these tight, well-crafted things. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't yeah. know, but it, it, it's fucked up. It's, it's fucked up. These people, they're, 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 they're in a theater with a thousand people. And the one girl I know specifically, someone said, I said, what is she talking about during this show she has? And she says, whatever comes to mind, whatever comes to mind, who's going to that? You're a one hit wonder doll face. Nobody's paying to see you two times in a row. Right. Exactly. You you say that to me, you're getting kidnapped at your show. Right. If you, if you just go in front of a packed house and whatever Broke. comes to mind, that's exactly that. That's that's the state of affairs that I need to speak on. Like for real, that's that's what bums me out. I don't get I don't get like angry at the way of the world because I honestly believe a well-crafted act is still going to be the thing for the future. Yeah. Because I'm like just going on the road last week to Milwaukee, me and Bob in front of, you know, 500 paying customers per show. You have to give them you have to give them a crafted professional act. And if, Agreed. You, don't, Agreed. And if you don't let those influencers burn themselves out, they could do whatever they want. If you think you can go up and just say whatever comes to mind. God bless you. It's a one and done situation. You ain't packing that theater again in six months. 
without some kind of material because the right. people are going to go, what did I just go there for? Well, so you know, I'm, I, I'm I have a, uh, I have a big Italian following, as you know, I mean, like, you know, that listen to the podcast and they're, they're big fans of Sebastian. Obviously I know you're friends with him and you worked with him, you know, were out with him on, on the road, whatever the hell you were doing. But um, yeah. one of the reasons I think why he's so good at what he does is he always has fresh material. You're not going to go see the same show and people want to maybe hear his doorbell bit, you know, the second time or the third yeah. time. Cause they love it. It's like your favorite song, but um, he always has a new act. And I think that that's, you know, when you look at the guys that are making 20, $30 million a year, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, they come with fresh stuff. Sebastian, I've known for 20 years. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we did a we did our a young American comedy tour together. He slept in my mom's basement for a week. There he is. Everybody, wait, you know it's funny. Um, I don't. You should tell me a couple stories about that because everybody would just get a kick out of it. But when I was with Brett Ernst in Vegas, it was a. We did his show. And then after uh, I wanted to go to Burger King, it was like four in the morning and I wanted him to buy me coffee and French fries. So, of course, he just obliged. And he's telling me how uh, he was doing. I don't know. It was an old story, but he was doing stand up for me. I don't know, five, six years. And it was his birthday. And, you know, he didn't give a shit that it was his birthday. Nobody gives a fuck. It's your birthday. And Sebastian comes over to him and hands him a birthday card with like a Nordstrom gift certificate in it for like twenty five dollars. And Brett was like, what the fuck is this? You're giving me a gift certificate. And, and you know, Brett was like, he's so uh, formal in that like sense, you know, and it was it's such a cute story when he was telling me it. I was like, oh, my God, people would like love to hear that. The people that are his fans, you know. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. I had to answer my mom because I saw that my nephew called twice. Um, Sebastian has not changed. I'm not kidding. He not only is he like that. I knew Sebastian when he was passing out his own business card, but it had a headshot on it. So he would just give you like his card and it had like his modeling headshot. <laughs> Literally. Black and white picture. Even when he lived in a one bedroom apartment, it was like meticulous. It was like in a shady, shitty part of town, but like it was gleaming as if he was going to be living in a mansion one day and he knew it. And I remember because I was moving at the time and I had like a nicer place. And he's like, if you want my place, you can have my place. I'm going to a different place. And I was like, yo, bro, you live next to Ralph's on La Brea near the tar pits. Like I, I would never <laughs> live over there. And he... Yeah, Sebastian is somebody that constantly comes with fresh material because everything rubs him the wrong way. So he's what? lucky that he sees the world like that anyway, because like example, I went to his kid's birthday during the pandemic, like, mm -hmm. you know, when we were like a little safer and his kid had a pandemic with like the color haired pony and all this. Oh, crazy yeah, yeah. I, I heard about that in his podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I go to the thing and he just rolls up on me. He's like, if anybody tells you that they're happy being home with their family, <laughs> they're lying to you. And he lives like on the edge of like a big dip cliff type of thing. And he's like, I was ready to jump off the cliff <laughs> yesterday. So he lives in that funny zone and he's lucky like that. But Sebastian's, yeah, he's a good friend. And we did right before the pandemic, he called me and he's like, yo, you wanna do these nine cities with me on a bus? This is how this is how clean and like weird he is socially. We're on the same bus. I didn't see Sebastian. <laughs> Where was he? We're on a tour bus together. He's in his back room the whole time talking to the family and like who knows what, like glossing his skin or whatever, doing skin product weird shit. And I'm like in my own little bus 
bed. <laughs> and then I went to the front of the bus because I had no one to talk to. I was basically just talking to the bus driver and the tour manager the whole time. And I'm just like, but I'm also like, I know him so well that I'm like, you can't even be mad at him. This is just his own weird shit. So he's, wait, you know he's what? Totally messed up. What is that? <clears throat> what is that like? I mean, you you're so accomplished. You've done so many things, you know. But uh, when you have one of your friends, you know, you're both on the come up, right? And then one of your mm-hmm. friends just go gets catapulted into a whole nother level. What what it like? I'm sure people want to know, like, what is that like? I mean, you text, you're hearing about kids' birthday parties. This is like any other friends, but your friend just yeah. happens to live in, you know. Yeah, he. Um... I watched it all happen and I just, I couldn't be happier for him. Like when he was starting to blow up, you know, I kind of went away from stand up for a good chunk of time and started doing my movie stuff. So I was like watching him kind of from like the outside for a second. And I was just watching him. He was selling out like the, like the Denver, uh, you know, he was selling out comedy works. Then he was selling out like the Addison improv. And then he was selling out Ontario and he was just like building and building. And he really was working his, excuse me. He was working his butt off and I was watching it happen. And then I, I'm trying to think of like what the first sort of explosion, I think he was doing Jay Leno's TV show. Like they loved him so much that he started doing Jay Leno. And then when he started doing theaters, I was like, oh, here he goes. A rocket ship is about to take off because like big famous people were starting to love him. He was getting tons of notoriety and it just was a it was a fully organic, natural, slow rocket ship. So it wasn't like an overnight thing at at all. He put in the work and for me to watch it happen. I love it. Like I loved it because. I've never been a hater. You know, there's haters all over this business. They love you. They hate you. I love seeing my boys succeed. And I always have, even like when I wasn't doing well, like, listen, I, I was trained. I hate to name drop, but whatever. Like I told you I was in a basketball league with like DiCaprio and Toby Maguire and all these dudes. So I had a a front row seat to watching Leo and Toby especially Toby take off as Spider-Man mm-hmm. and I saw his, him rocket ship into the orbit as in fame. Yeah. And yeah. so I was so happy for him, like financially and like he could finally just like breathe and live however he wanted. And, you know, I, I already watched it happen, how people acted around him. So yeah. when it was happening with Sebastian, I was already kind of like trained and having famous <laughs> and, and, and Sebastian knew, by the way, like I brought him over to Le- DiCaprio's house to play, uh, to play pickleball. Yeah. You know, I was bringing him around all those guys because they loved his act. He didn't know it. He couldn't believe it. But like he already had fans at a high level. Yeah. So when I watched him explode, it was just like super awesome. And like my mom loves it because she gets to go to his shows in Detroit and he's family. So to me, it was just like watching my like just someone who I love and respect get what they deserve. So I was like more looking at him like, yo, bro. If you get too stressed out and this shit is getting weird on you, you can always call me yeah, and that's just nice. come kick it and just, cause I know it's about to get weird and you're going to act like you're so cool and you got your shit together, but I know you're bugging yeah. cause I know you're paranoid. You want security, you know, and like things are going to get weird. So like just breathe and like isolate with your family. Cause I just, I saw it already with a couple other friends and it can go the other way. It can go, it can go real weird and south. Mm. But for Sebastian, I was like, yo, bro, just go get your money. Yeah. Do your thing. Save your money if you can. Yeah, like save just it, make sure you're it. smart and like 
just stay healthy through this yeah. whole thing. That's you know what? There's like, another business for you. <clears throat> you could write a book, how to behave when your friend gets super famous. <laughs> I mean, right. Like, I mean, you've totally. heard it a few times. No, but you know what? That it, That's nice. And I, um, but that's like anything else. I mean, it's like in any other industry, this is different because it's so public, you know, you're so yeah. public and you have these fans, but uh, it's like, it's like, you know, when your girlfriend gets a great promotion, you know, and, or buys, you know, yeah. buys, buys a great penthouse in Tribeca. Like, you know, th- there's always going to be those people that are like, you know, don't be, a, yeah, okay. don't be, I could tell you right now for your people that are like, don't be a hater, you know, no. be hat. You can hate someone that you hate just for hate. You know, they might be a bad person. You don't have to wish them well if you hate, don't like the person, right. but it, it really benefits you more to like be a lover. You know what I mean? Right. To not hate on people because it doesn't do anything other than stifle your own creativity. I was just going to say, well, it's your, and it's the, but what's also, what do you want to expend your energy on? I mean, do you want to expend your energy on like that? Or do you want to just, I mean, when you're a cheerleader, you know, I don't know what the, there's a famous thing. It's like, I don't know if you want to be happy, then like be rich. But if you want to be, if you want like your soul fulfilled, then like do good with others or something like that, you know yeah. I mean? And that's, that's what it really is. Dan Gilbert, who is financing my movie, I told you he's big. Dan Gilbert is the CEO of Quicken Loans for all of you people. He used to be a client of mine, but yes. CEO of Quicken Loans, genius businessman, one of my mentors, but he always does this thing. He always just talks about doing well by doing good, doing well by doing, he he just like, he he punches that all the time and he really believes it. And it's true. It's like when you change your mind frame over to doing well by doing good and like, wanting good for people, your whole life changes. I swear to God. I swear it does. It's just no, like, I know it, it just gets lighter. You know what I mean? You just feel lighter and you're able to like accomplish your own thing. Plus, believe me, this is a hard enough business. You got to be someone that people want to work with. Right. Like I said, I, I'm not the greatest writer, but I'm pretty cool to work. I'm fun to work right. with. Right. And like, I, I, I've, I, I have empathy for people. Yeah. So like, you got to have empathy and you got to just be, you know, good to work with and have discipline. And, you know, if you can get a couple of famous friends, it really helps your life too, because I've had some of the greatest meals with Sebastian. I have had like the most fun opening for him in front of 15,000 people, oh, you God. know, and uh, just being just, you know, whatever, just, just want, want good for your friends and good will happen to you. It's like watching, I I really believe Brett, Brett's going to kill me, but I was like, Brett, if you want to go to the highest level, tell people Brett, Brett Ernst, Brett Ernst, he's Louis LaRusso on Cobra Kai. He's, he's one of our friends and he's so funny. He's funny. So, you know, I started a tour called the young American comedy tour. We did it like 10 years ago. I had a tour. I picked out my friends who weren't famous yet. I looked on the patio of the comedy store. I saw Sebastian, Brett, Bobby Lee, Tony Rock, and a couple other comics. And I said, if all these famous comedians are making 15 million on a super famous tour, we got to be worth at least like 2 million. Like, of course, of course. That we're was not like, of you. we're not, le- we're not less funny than them. We're just, nobody knows us. Right. And I right. went to the, I went to the owner and the booker of the improv. I was awesome. like, these are the guys I got. We're going to name it the Young American Comedy Tour. Can you book us? And we ran it for three years, but I was such a bad businessman that I didn't know what else to do with it. And when the head of the improv asked me, "Did he want to? do I want any partners? I didn't know what the answer should have been. So I was like, no. But if Elise DeLucci was with me, she just said, absolutely, 100%. We're going to do a 70-30 split. You'll take 70. We'll take 30. At the end of it all, we sell it for $27 million. But no, Mike Young, the fucking hood from Detroit, didn't know how to make business happen on a higher level. But but Brett Ernst, who we circled back to, was on the tour. 
And Brett could be one of the biggest comics in the game. I so know. I, he really, and I think, no, I, I think my heart because I said, Brett, if you take the F, he said he drops F bombs all over his act. I know. And I'm not one to curtail anybody's act or at all, but I know him so well that he only does it like in his little insecure moments. And I was like, Brett, if you take like 65% of the F-bombs out, you're going to raise your game another 40%. I like how I use math, even though I don't know math. But he's like, you're right. You're right. And now I'm seeing Brett steadily climbing. And yeah. he probably doesn't feel like it, but I can see him on a trajectory to where he's, you know, look, at he may not sell, you know, 15,000 and you don't need to. Mm. You don't need to. You just want to go make a great living being an amazing comedian. And that's what Brett's going to do. And that's what I hope to do in my stand-up world. You know, if I don't get too busy. No, you're going to, you're going to do it. And he's going to do it. And when I um, was with him in Vegas, first of all, let me just say, I think, I don't know if it's that poster, the young Americans poster or yeah. um, the Vince Vaughn thing, comedy tour, because yeah. I, he's like, He's like, oh, he's come to my office. Let me show you. Let me show you my office. And I was like, okay. And he has a giant poster. I don't know if it's that or the Vince Vaughn comedy tour. It's probably the Vince Vaughn. Believe me. He like, if you got a choice between Mike Young's comedy tour and Vince Vaughn's, Vince Vaughn's going on the wall. Well, let me tell you, as you move into his living room, you should see he has life-size pictures of Jesus on the cross hanging down. I mean, the guy is like, he's like, it's not going to help. He's like, this is the virgin. I mean, honestly, it's so funny. But anyway, um. No, you're going to do it. He's going to do it. He's amazing. Everybody loved him, loved him at his show. I mean, he had so many, so yeah. many fans. I mean, he was great. great. But wait, Mike, I want you to tell me, plug whatever you want to plug. Where can people find you? Okay. Okay. So I would say my Instagram is the real Mike Young. That's like a Instagram, my social media, which I'm not good at. You, I need you to help me with that. Um, I would say go to all things comedy, all things comedy.com, which is Bill Burr's network. And my new special, who the F is Mike Young is on there. So it's featured on the cover page, which shout out to Bill Burr for being like another unselfish, super famous dude who wants to raise people up. So I would say go to all things comedy.com and make sure you watch who the F is Mike Young. And then I will be headlining uh, comedy at the Carlson in Rochester, New York. Oh. November 11th to the 13th. And then I'll be headlining Raleigh Improv December 1st and Charlotte Comedy Zone December 2nd. So and Charlotte, Rochester, and what's the other one? Raleigh. Raleigh. Okay, North Carolina. Yeah, you find and me then, in Rochester, New York, Raleigh, North Carolina, Charlotte, North if Carolina. If they're not in those states, what about, um, are you out anywhere else with Saget? I mean, like, is there yeah, a, a tour they can look at? Yeah, go well for that. I would say go to bobsaget.com because mm -hmm. Bob's got all the tour dates that I'm on. So we're going to Denver, we're going to Cheyenne, Wyoming coming up. So I'm just out there on tour. Good. And if you don't find me on tour, just call me if you need a movie made. And wait, when's your movie coming out? Or it's not even made? I don't even know. So it's not in the can yet. So we got unfortunately we got shut down. So my lead actor got COVID, <sighs> and we had to shut down. And then when we were coming back, my lead actress tested positive for COVID. And so instead of like rushing back around Thanksgiving now, we're just going to wait till January to get up and shoot again, which I'm totally happy with because I could just see a nightmare scenario going into Christmas, going into Thanksgiving, just forget it. And it's your we're first Christmas as a newly engaged man or second time around engaged man. So you got to do it up or Hanukkah, whatever it is. First engaged Christmas. And, you know, look, yeah, we got, she's got two kids. So, you know, yeah, it's a big thing. 
this is a big thing. You know, well, Mike, I'm so happy that you came and you're my first guest. Thank you. And thank Thanks, you. Everybody. Wait, so it's the re at on Instagram at the real Mike Young at the real Mike Young. And then you're what? OK, at the real Mike Young. That's just where you're going to get him. You can DM him if you want. Thank DM you. Me, you know, we'll talk. You can go to the Mike Young comedy channel if you want. But really, I want people to watch the Who the F is Mike Young comedy special. Comedy special. All things comedy. OK, yeah. thank you. Talk Thanks, to you. Thanks, Bye. All right, bye.